everyone. Welcome to Soulmates Podcast. This is Emily. And this is Rachel. Today's episode is all about a little movie you may have heard of. I don't know. Shang-Chi? You may have only heard it everywhere. So the latest addition to the MCU, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Rachel and I have both seen this in the theater and I fucking loved it. Yeah, I really liked it too. I like Black Widow, went in with blow expectations. Yes. <laughs> but I would say that this movie was much better than Black Widow. It was very, very good. Everything was good. We'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> yes. This episode will have spoilers. If you have not seen the movie yet, pause, go watch the movie, and then come back and listen to us talk about it. It's really good. You should see it. Yes, it's worth the money. And pro tip, if you are worried about being in very crowded spaces because of COVID, I feel you, I understand, go in like the matinee show on a weekday or on like a Sunday morning and there will be less people so you can space yourself out more. I love going to an 11 a.m. movie on a Sunday. Hell yes. Simu Liu stars as Shang-Chi, the main character. His best friend Katie is played by Aquafina. I love her so much. Yes. <laughs> Other notable actors in this are Michelle Yeoh, Ben Kingsley, and Tony Long. Oh my god. The dilfiest dilf of all dilfdom. <laughs> oh my god! Man with sad eyes, but a beautiful face. Yeah, dilfy energy indeed. A movie based on the the character Shang-Chi entered development in 2001. Work didn't actually start on this until 2018. So that just goes to show you development hell is real. (laughs) I mean, 2001 to 2018, that's a 17-year gap. Yeah, that's a child. (laughs) Almost being an adult. (laughs) So once the ball started to get rolling in production, Marvel was like, we need to fast track this. This is going to be our first movie with an Asian lead. Let's do it. Hashtag let's go. (laughs) The film's title and um, primary cast were announced that July. So July 2019. Then it was also announced that it's going to be related to the Ten Rings organization, which was in Iron Man 2, right? It was Iron Man 2. Where yeah. he, he fights the Mandarin, but it's not really the Mandarin. It's some guy pretending to be the Mandarin, who is Ben Kingsley. They're like, the real one is going to be in this. And they were also like, Shang-Chi's father is not going to be the racist portrayal that it was in the early comics. Thank God. <laughs> when you go from a character named Fu Manchu. I know. Who literally portrays every Asian racist stereotype to what we got. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> Night and day. So this movie is the first Marvel Studios film with an Asian director and a predominantly Asian cast. The filming for this began February 2020. Ha ha ha. Something happened right (laughs) after that. Gee, I wonder what it was. (laughs) So COVID put a hold on their production, but they were able to resume in August and complete it in October of 2020. It was a quick turnaround. (laughs) Very quick, considering that there was a 17-year gap between the, yeah, let's do this, to actually getting started. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Just to put it in perspective, that's finishing production in October of 2020, releasing September 2021. That's like less than a year turnaround, which is pretty insane. (laughs) Especially for a project of this magnitude. Yeah, like it, it wasn't just some, you know, indie movie that they're slapping together. 
This is a major motion picture. With a lot of CGI. That was done pretty well, I would say. So the movie opens up thousands of years ago, and Wenwu discovers the Ten Rings, and these are mystical weapons. In the comics, they are literally rings, but I like that they decided to make them bracelets. Rings for a large creature, Mm. perhaps. I think Fabian was telling me that the lore is that they were dragon's rings before, which is why they are big and fit on an arm of a human. But that's just a theory. (laughs) I like that they made them bracelets, though, because we we already had, like, the infinity glove, and I feel like, yeah, that's kind of similar to, Mm -hmm. like, rings, so... And they are way more badass as these giant yes. bracelet things that go up your arm. It reminds me of like a DBZ character or something like that. That is a thing that people use in uh, some martial arts. You see it in like, what is it? Kung Fu Hustle. The gay man has like lots of them on his arms. Um, and he doesn't use them in the same way, obviously, because they're not magical in Kung Fu Hustle. But <laughs> yeah, same vibe. People do fight with rings like that. So when Wu gets these rings... And uh, they grant him immortality and powers, and he's a badass. And so he establishes the Ten Rings organization, named after his very fancy bracelets. And it's basically an organized crime syndicate that starts conquering kingdoms, toppling governments, and they're doing this throughout history. Like, you see them in ancient times, and then you see them in, in like, 1989 Berlin Wall era, which I kind of mm-hmm. laughed at. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow, it was the Ten Rings all along. Everything wrong in history. Oh, my God. In 1996, Wenmu begins searching for Talo, which is a village said to harbor mythical beasts. People have powers. They do this kind of, like, airbending style martial arts there. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I need to find this city. I gotta expand my power. He ends up traveling through this magical forest, which is fucking nuts. It's, like, the hardest maze ever. And he he eventually gets there, and he's stopped by a guardian named Yingli. And (laughs) then they fight. And of course, they have like slow motion shots of them coming very close to each other's faces. The way that people in Talo fight, their fighting style is very similar to um, something in Chinese and Hong Kong cinema called wuxia. Think like Tai Chi movements, very flowing, lots of graceful jumping. Wires. Apparently this scene in particular mirrors other similar scenes where two people are fighting and at the same time they're also falling in love. Like this is a theme that they're repeating in this movie, which is super cool because I had no freaking idea. But if you were more familiar with Chinese cinema, it is a thing that they are mirroring in this movie. So they end up having two kids, Shang-Chi and his sister. And they have to leave Talo because the village is like, Wenwu cannot be here. He's killed people. We don't like him. So they end up leaving and just living in the real world. And she loses her her magic powers and he puts away the Ten Rings. And they both live a totally normal life. Well, normal life, but they still live in a compound. Yeah, they live in like this beautiful you know, giant compound because he's obscenely wealthy because he's been alive forever. Like, Yeah. So despite the fact that he has given up his organized crime boss position, he is gone one day and people who he's wronged in the past, the Iron Gang, come back and they kill his wife as revenge. 
even though he is, you know, not the boss anymore. And in his grief, he resurrects the Ten Rings organization, and he makes Shang-Chi train to be an assassin, because he's like, we are going to pay the blood debt with blood. And his heart is hardened. He is no longer the loving father he once was. So Shang-Chi trains to be an assassin until he's 14, and then his dad is like, you are going to go assassinate the Iron Gang's leader. And he sends him off, and then smash cut to like 10 years later because Shang-Chi is now going by the name of Sean in San Francisco and he totally ducked out of his father's life because he didn't want to be a part of the Ten Rings anymore. He wanted to live a normal life. So after we have the backstory, we flip to present day Shang-Chi is working as a valet with his best friend Katie. After some shenanigans being valets, they are attacked on a muni bus by the Ten Rings organization, a couple of thugs from there. (laughs) They steal a pendant that Shang-Chi's mother gave to him. There's a whole battle scene on the bus. It's really freaking awesome. (laughs) Very well choreographed. And it was hilarious too, because some of the people on the bus were also funny. I mean, there was one guy streaming it. He's like, what's up, yeah. everyone? Um, I used to take martial arts, so I will be making comments about this fight. And he's just like <laughs> recording them while they're having like this super intense fist fight. One of the guys has no hand and it's a fucking blade like machete. His name is Razor Fist and they fight. Yeah. It is a really good fight scene. I know it's edited to look like kind of one long take, but it still looks so cool. Yeah, I mean, the bus, like, the brakes don't work. And yeah, it's it's a very cool scene. So after that, basically, Katie's like, what the fuck, Sean? I <laughs> didn't know any of this about you. And he's like, oh my gosh, I have to go help my sister. And she's like, you have a sister? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, she sent me a postcard. So he has this postcard with an address in Macau that his sister is supposedly living at, but no information on the postcard. Fearing that the Ten Rings are going to go after his sister's pendant, Shang-Chi decides to go meet up with her and Katie comes with him on the flight where he reveals his past to her and she could finally understand why all this crazy shit is happening. She's like, wait a minute, your name's not Sean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they get to Macau and they find... Shang-Chi's sister, but she is actually the owner of a fight club in Macau, and that's where the address took them. So Shang-Chi ends up getting embroiled into a fight with his sister. She kicks his ass. (laughs) She, She does kick his ass. And then the Ten Rings shows up at her underground fight club. There's a really cool fight scene on scaffolding on on the side of a skyscraper. You Mm -hmm. think Aquafina dies, but she doesn't. Yeah, you're like, oh my god, are they really going to kill her off? I know. I was like, no, I love Aquafina (laughs) now. So she lives. She She lives. lives. (laughs) Shang-Chi, his sister, and Katie are all taken to the Ten Rings compound by Shang-Chi's father. Wenwu uses the pendants from Shang-Chi and his sister to create a map that shows them how to get to Talo because there's this murder bamboo forest that blocks the way <laughs> um, into Talo. So they have to figure out exactly the path and exactly when to go. Otherwise they get quote unquote eaten by the forest. You see this a little bit in the very beginning of the movie. He literally gets thrown like the car gets thrown out of the forest and over a cliff. 
and like when Wu barely survives by hanging onto the cliff <laughs> and everyone else dies. So you definitely want to make sure you're going through the right path. Now, when I say that he used the pendants to create a map, he puts the pendants in the eyes of a like a dragon statue and like this mystical water map appears all around them, which I thought was a really cool piece of CGI that they did. It really drives home the fact that Talo is in harmony with all the elements, you know, earth, water, fire, air. They're like, it's a magical place. <laughs> yeah, it's magic. <laughs> it's magic. So after he is like, okay, this is how I get to Talo, his kids are like, what the fuck is going on? And then when Wu is like, I've been hearing your mother, she, it's like she's right in front of me. She's speaking so clearly. She's saying that, that the people of Talo are keeping her there. And that we can all be together once I free her. Katie, Shang-Chi, his sister, they all look at each other and they're like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? (laughs) And Shang-Chi is like, what are you going to do when you get there? And his dad is like, I'm going to fucking destroy the village until they release her. That's what's going to happen. I'm getting my lady. The kids quickly realize that they're going to have to get there before him and warn the people of this village. Because his dad has total blinders on. The only thing he can think about is freeing his wife. While they're trying to escape, they meet Trevor Slatterly, who was the Mandarin from Iron Man 2. Yeah, there's a short on Disney Plus that you can watch, and you see that the Ten Rings organization basically steals Trevor Slattery from prison. A very elaborate scheme. But before then, Trevor was doing quite well for himself in prison, and it seems like he has equally wormed his way into a very comfortable position at Wenwu's stronghold. So, (laughs) yeah, good for him. (laughs) He's like putting on one-man Shakespeare shows. He ends up going with them because he can speak to this magical creature who knows the way to Talo. The creature doesn't have a face or mouth, but somehow Trevor and him have this psychic connection. So he goes with them to Talo. Yeah, it's basically like a fuzzy potato with wings. Yeah. And no face. His name is Morris. Aquafina's character, Katie, calls him a chicken pig. Oh my god. (laughs) And that's kind of perfect. (laughs) So they break out of the compound and they steal Razor Fist's car, which says Razor Fist on the side in big tacky letters. And they drive to Talo. When they get there... After a very suspenseful driving scene in the magic forest, they are met with Ying Nan, who is their aunt, their mom's sister. And she reveals the history of Talo, that like a thousand years ago, the village was attacked by a eldritch looking like monster thing that sucks your soul. So imagine like a Dementor plus Cthulhu kind of deal they look like the monsters in immortal kiss or whatever that movie was that we watched was that a thai movie yes they look like the krasu yes they look like krasu they have like a head and like tentacles but they also have kind of a body to them too like a shriveled little body yeah yeah it's not just like a head and tentacles only they have a little bit more to them they have wings and stuff So this thing is called the Dweller in Darkness, and they don't really have a name for the minions. I think just like soul suckers is what they call them. The Dweller in Darkness was terrorizing their village. And then a Chinese dragon called the Great Protector came and helped them defeat it. And now all those soul suckers are behind a magic gate that the people of Talo guard so that it won't be opened. 
The same gate that uh, Wenwu was trying to open to free his wife. So then there is a little bit of a teachable moment scene with Shang-Chi and his aunt and also Katie and some archers. And also the aunt and Shang-Chi's sister too have a moment. And then Wenwu arrives, just like he said he would, and he breaks past the barrier of all of the people of Talo and the village that's guarding this gate. He gets to the gate and he starts wailing on the gate, despite Shang-Chi's best efforts to stop him. He basically knocks him so hard into the water for a while. He's just drifting, floating down (laughs) through the lake that separates the village from the dark gate. Shang-Chi is like, dad, that's not really our mom. That's the dweller in darkness. It's just telling you what it thinks you want to hear to get it to free it. Don't believe it. And his dad's like, fuck you. That's my wife. (laughs) Yeah. The people of Talo and Wenwu's soldiers are fighting for quite a while, but then Wenwu manages to start to break down the dark gate with his ten rings and the soul suckers start to appear. And at first, Wenwu's soldiers are hesitant to team up and fight with the Talo villagers, but then one of them gets their soul sucked out of their body and there's nothing they can do to stop it. And they're like, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's team up. <laughs> yeah. So then they're all fighting the soul suckers together, which has many casualties. Then we flash back to Shang-Chi, who's floating down through the water, and suddenly he is revived by a gigantic dragon who is the Great Protector. It reminded me of Spirited Away. Yeah, I think that's one of the best dragons I've seen in a while. (laughs) So yeah, that was really, really cool. He basically rides the dragon and starts to fight off the soul suckers and he gets his sister involved there as well. There's a very intense moment where Shang-Chi hops off of the dragon and is back to fighting his father because that's who he really needs to stop so that, you know, the dweller in darkness does not break out of the gate. He manages to wrestle the Ten Rings away from his father and is controlling them at this point. But then as soon as he finally gets the rings from his father, he casts them down and he is now able to reason with his father. And he's like, please, your family needs you. She's not back there. He's defeated, but he puts the rings back on his body. And just as he does that, the Dweller in Darkness has gathered enough strength to bust through the gate. (laughs) And this thing is freaking huge. It's a gigantic soul sucker. And the first thing it does is it whips around and it starts sucking the life out of Wenwu. Mm -hmm. And not in a fun way. (laughs) Emily! (laughs) (laughs) It basically kills him, but right before he dies, he gives the Ten Rings to Shang-Chi. He uses the Ten Rings to save the Great Protector, and together with uh, the people of Talo, they defeat this giant soul-sucker demon thing. But a lot of people have died. It's very sad. Basically, this whole ending fight scene is pretty intense, and we're leaving out some details. (laughs) But you gotta see the movie if you haven't already, and if you have, you know what we're talking about. At the end of the movie, we are back to San Francisco with Shang-Chi and Katie. And they're talking to their friends who they were talking to at the beginning of the movie. And they're basically giving a humorous summary of what they had been doing. And their friend is like, are, are you fucking with me? What? And then, of course, behind them, you know, the the magic sorcerer uh, circle things come out, you know, from Doctor Strange. 
and Wong is like, come with me. They walk through the portal, and that's pretty much the end of the movie. There are some cutscenes in the credits where they're introduced to Bruce Banner and to Carol Danvers, and it's basically like, he's an Avenger now. Yeah, they tied that up pretty nicely. Yeah. And then the cutscene at the very end of the movie is a flashback to Shang-Chi's sister, who was supposed to just tie things up at Wenwu's compound, but has now converted it into her own compound, complete with some sick-ass graffiti and female fighters. <laughs> I was like, wow, they girl-bossed organized crime. Yeah. It said that the Ten Rings will return, so I'm guessing that she's going to get her own Disney Plus show. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Her and that Razor Fist guy had really good chemistry. Yeah. So I hope he is in that as well. There is one thing that I want to talk about, and that is there wasn't really any romance between Katie and Shang-Chi. And some people really liked that. They're like, finally, two leads that are friends. And other people were like, that's stupid. I'm in the that's stupid camp because usually when you have a character like Katie or pretty much any role Aquafina has, they're the dumb, funny sidekick and they never are seen in a romantic light ever. And I was like, they're going to do it. They're going to have the goofy sidekick be the romantic lead. That's going to be awesome. And then the movie went on, went on, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're not going to do that. <gasps> what if she's a lesbian and she ends up with his sister? They didn't do that either. <laughs> so at the end, they're, they're walking arm in arm, which I feel like could be interpreted as romantic or as friendship. They wanted to have it both ways, which I thought was annoying. Honestly, just pick one. I agree. I hated that it was undefined. And I personally read it as romantic because I don't know how many times I have like rested my head on someone's shoulder, not romantically. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just like, I'm fucking tired because I've done that. <laughs> it was like, oh, let's stare out into the beautiful lake. I'm going to ship it as romantic. I don't care what anyone says. I want it to be romantic. I love Aquafina. Her character, Katie, is a really good character. I'm kind of just sick of the normal MCU romantic leads, you know? Like, I love Jane from Thor. I love her. I love Natalie Portman. But, like, there's basically a Jane in every fucking movie. Yeah. And they're all very similar. But Katie was very unique. And very involved, too. Like, yeah. she truly was his partner. <laughs> they would not have survived on that bus if she was not driving it at the beginning of the movie. They would not have won the final battle if she had not shot the arrow that she shot. So she truly was his partner. She wasn't just, like, a hot girl that needed saving or was part of the plot only. If we were going to compare this to Guardians... She was the rocket raccoon of this movie. Yeah! <laughs> you know, Gamora is great, and she's integral to her plot, and, you know, it's not like she's a damsel in distress or anything, but she's not rocket raccoon. Like, the vibes are very similar between those two. <laughs> yeah, Gamora's traditionally hot and powerful, whereas Katie is mortal and doesn't have any special powers and is very goofy, but is still in integral to the plot and is... Truly Shang-Chi's partner. If we're still going with Guardians of the Galaxy, Peter Quill would be Shang-Chi, Rocket Raccoon or Drax would be Katie, and Gamora would be the sister. I'm sure many of you all disagree with me, but <laughs> I don't care. Justice for Katie. We ship it romantic here at Soulmates Podcast. Yes. 
Okay, so let's do our ratings. On a scale from one to five, how would you rate the script, the writing of this movie? Five. Perfect comedic timing. Little quippy one-liners everywhere that made everyone laugh. It was done really well. And I really liked that there was a lot of incorporation of Mandarin into this movie. I would also give this a five. This is one of the funniest Marvel movies I have seen. It was like a breath of fresh air. I was Mm -hmm. so delighted after. On a scale from one to five, how would you rate the acting? Mm. I'm going to give it a five. I liked everyone's acting a lot. I think Simu Liu could have done a little bit better, but everyone else's acting was on point. (laughs) So I can't really fault the entire movie for like a four out of five performance (laughs) from Simu Liu. I'm also going to give this a five solely on the shoulders of Tony Long. I mean, oh my God, yeah. He was acting with a capital A. <laughs> Dilf! Dilf! <laughs> Talented Dilf. So, on a scale from one to five, how would you rate everything else? The cinematography, the score, the CGI, pretty much anything else? Five. Every single shot was beautiful. I noticed the music in the background of a lot of scenes, like, thank God for making, like, Chinese musical elements, like, infusing that into the movie. Like, it was beautiful. Every single aspect of the movie was awesome and very well thought out and cool. So, five. I'm also going to give it a five. The original soundtrack for this movie is really good. They made a lot of original music for it. And it definitely pays off. The CGI was exceptionally done. The The lighting, I thought, was very good, especially during the at-night fight scenes. I thought that was really mm-hmm. great. So, fives across the board. We definitely recommend you go see this. Yes, it was incredible. It revived my love of Marvel movies. It was getting pretty stale there for a while, y'all. It was. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this episode up with our weekly K-pop recommendations. I'm going to recommend Zombie by Purple Kiss. I'm going to recommend Ping Pong by Hyena and Dawn. Thank you all for listening to this episode. You can find Soulmates Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. You can find us on Instagram at soulmatespodcast. Send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. Check out some of our videos on YouTube under our channel name, Soulmates Podcast. You can find this program pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening right now, make sure you subscribe, you like, you follow, you thumbs up, you, I don't know, what do they do on Tinder? Super like? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you swipe right. <laughs> make sure you do that so you can listen to us every other Friday. We'll see y'all in two weeks for the September K-pop roundup. Bye. Bye.